0: I'm just going to spring them on you because I knew you wouldn't prepare for them anyway. I was like, "Wow, you
1: really don't tell us. No, you
0: guys won't. Yeah, we've told the fives. We told the ones (laughs) and the twos, the the people that we needed, that we knew needed to mentally prepare, the fours so they wouldn't be overwhelmed in the moment. Uh, But for the sevens, we're just going to let you guys wing it. Ready to do this? Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Debrief, a weekly Q&A show from your friends here at Sandals Church with Pastor Matt Brown. We are normally doing tough questions to real answers or any order you want to put that in, but right now we are studying the Enneagram. We got Pastor Matt Brown in the house, ready to take on some questions about the number seven enthusiast yes. on the Enneagram, and you got some of your uh, most sevenest, wildest, and craziest friends.
2: <laughs> yeah, one of my, actually one of my best friends, Matt's seven, and then we have Kelly, who is I don't know if she's my friend or not, but she's on staff. We're working on our relationship, and I just threw her under the bus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, so. would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, apparently. I don't want Pastor Matt introducing <laughs> yeah. me. So I'm Kelly Wilzel. I do the uh, connections. I oversee connections department, which is getting people here and getting them to stay at Sandal's. Uh, so all about the people.
0: Actually, uh, as in your role here on staff, Kelly is directly responsible for kind of all the logistics that have gone on behind the scenes as it relates to real workshops and this whole discovery process. So let's just put in like a, a quick pause right now for everyone who's listening to this right now to mentally applaud you in their head and thank you and your team for all the work you've yeah, done. Yeah, she's to help fantastic. Them
2: she's done like literally most of the work in terms of putting this together, her and Tammy. And so a lot of, if if you're appreciating what I'm teaching, uh, in terms of the sermon material, a lot of that content came from Kelly and so her work with Tammy. So we're just super thankful for her and just their contribution to all of this. And so she's been such a champ, uh, you know, as I shared the vision and said, Hey, we want to do this. And, you know, it's not like she didn't already have responsibilities, so Thank you.
0: Boom. Speaking of Tammy Brown, we got a little treat for our YouTube viewers. T Breezy is hanging out in the background. Uh, So enjoy that. Okay, Matt Albee, you want to introduce yourself to us? You're just a friend of the the fam, friend of the show.
3: Yeah, longtime Sandalite,
0: longtime listener, first time caller. Boom. You guys might know Matt Albee if you've been around Church for a while. Maybe at Christmas time, he was this tall guy in a Santa suit in all of our mm-hmm. Christmas videos. Yes, yeah, good In Good Friday, mm-hmm. you were in a security guard uh, arresting Jesus. Also, the tall guy in the suit. I was. So many yeah. of you have maybe seen Matt Albee, and you just so didn't let know me it. let mm-hmm. me throw
2: Matt under the bus real quick. So here's oh, my please. one of my I have many, many 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 that many many favorites <laughs> Matt Albee stories. But one time we were in Hawaii, and so uh, especially this one particular area where I like the swim is really sharky. So I pay for a kayak. The swim is really chunky. <laughs> I pay for a kayak, yes. I pay for a kayak for Matt Albee to swim next to me. So I mean, to, to paddle next to me while I swim. I'm going to swim a couple miles out on the ocean. And his sole job, he has one job, <laughs> is to keep me in eyesight. And if there's a shark, I got to jump up on the kayak. And so I'm out in the middle of the ocean and, you know, I, I'm focused on swimming and I'm not looking up. And so I just stop and I think, where is Matt Albee? And I look up and he's like a mile away <laughs> seven and out on his kayak staring at this island that they've created it's like a fake island and he's just over there having all kinds of joy and i'm like man i picked the wrong dude to kayak with me because i literally could be eaten and he wouldn't even know where i was so that's i took my, my
3: mission as keeping you safe and so well to, to do that you need <laughs> to be close
0: to the person I who's swimming like in the open ocean is it possible for an island to be fake if it is in an actuality Good out there point. in the middle of the water?
2: What was it? It was like a. It was a floating bar. A floating but bar, a but it had trees big. and stuff on it. Big. Oh, I didn't yeah, see trees. it. I did not see it as close <laughs> as Mister Alby did, so he could tell us <laughs> what it was actually. How much from, the drinks cost from my vantage point? <laughs> yeah, yeah from, I think it's isn't it like a place where like on a wave runner you can go yeah. out and have drinks and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I was swimming. So, yeah,
0: yeah I, I was going to say seven is my second highest score on the enneagram. I have a ninety-two, and I can now testify. If you, you just say the phrase "floating bar" and whatever little enneagram inside me like pops up like a little prairie dog, what? Oh, that, it, that sounds so. so here's fun. the thing: is
2: it was closed, but it still drew it Matt closed, in yeah. its direction.
0: Okay, so we are talking about the enneagram style of seven, the enthusiast. Pastor Matt, you want to tell us about the seven? Uh, a little bit of an overview before we jump in.
2: Yeah, so the enthusiast um, uh, on many things, and Kelly can jump in here. It's called the joyful person, the enthusiast. What are some other names that they use to describe the,
0: adventure, the adventurer,
3: the adventurer, the adventurous adventurer.
2: person? Um, so it, it's just it's just that part of humanity that you know wants to. Uh, it just experience life for all that it is. And that's its beauty, right? They're going to squeeze absolutely every drop out of life before they die. And if it's a little sooner than everybody else, that's okay, as long as they had a good time. So that's what, you know, that's what they want to do. Uh, if they're going to go out, they're going to go out with a bang. They're just beautiful, wonderful, amazing, fun people. Um, just, they bring joy to things. Uh, they can make anything fun. Um, you know, if you're a bunch of fives, invite a seven to your party. It'll liven, You know, liven it up, so... <laughs> Um, you know, they're just going to have a good time. Matt will show up in his Santa Claus suit, which, you know, he's already six, seven body of Greek God, obviously stands out, but in a Santa suit draws a little attention and he loves that. So, um, you know, that's who they are. So they live to um, just enjoy life. And that's the beauty. The brokenness of them is that they can pursue pleasure and avoid pain at all costs. So things that hurt, things that, you know, that are painful, uh, and that can be all kinds of things. And, um, you know, but unfortunately you know life is difficult you know matt uh lost his dad just a, a couple of years ago and I've, I've walked through that with him and that's been wouldn't you say the hardest thing of your life by far yeah by far you know yeah. and i bet your dad was a seven too i think so yeah matt's dad was just this hilariously fun guy um i remember at his funeral I remember i said who are we talking about here because this mm. guy was a nutcase man he was just a lot a lot of fun and um just mess would mess with me all the time. And so, which, you know, I like to mess with Matt. So uh, just really, really fun people, but there are painful things in life. And, you know, if you are a seven, pain is meant to be felt. And so that's one of the, I think the tragedies of our modern culture is we assume that all pain is bad. And so we numb ourselves. And so, man, the doctors do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't tell you how many times somebody will go through a death or a crisis. And the first thing the doctor do, is doing is prescribing a drug that numbs, which doesn't allow you to feel. And if you can't feel, you can't heal. So that that's, that's, oh, hello. That's, that's a horrible, horrible thing, you know, a strategy. And, you know, I think that, you know, it's just so important. A great verse for sevens is Psalms 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. And the key word for a seven is through. This is temporary. It will not last. It's going to be difficult, but God is going to get you through it. And he is with you. And right, the beauty of that is, you anoint my head with oil in the presence of my enemies. And surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David is seven wrote that. And so I think that's a fantastic, fantastic Psalm, just to remind us of, of the beauty. So the beauty is joyful, enthusiast, uh, just an exciting um, person, you know, um, that's one of the things, you know, Matt and I've been friends for a long time. Uh, I love being with him is because it's always gonna be a good time, no matter what we're doing, we have a good time and we enjoy ourselves. and. Um, he's just kind of a nut. And I, and I love that about him. And the same thing with Kelly, you know, Kelly brings just life, um, to so much of what we do at Sandals Church. I actually met Kelly when my first daughter was going to CBU and there's a lot of boring meetings that you have to sit through. And it's just really, really not exciting. You know, you're writing all this money. You're not right. You're writing a check for all this money. You're, you're, for us, it was our first kid going away. It's very, very sad. Mm -hmm. And then here's this bright light Kelly up on stage who just brought joy and Made me feel very, very peaceful about what was going to happen for my kid and in my mind, be okay. College is a positive experience. And I said we got to hire this gal. And then I found out she went to our church, which was, man, that's great. So, um, anyways, we stole her from CBU, and we're very, very grateful for that. And uh, they're wonderful. So, you want to add anything to the seven that I that maybe I missed? So sorry, I just sprung that on you.
1: I think uh, some of what we will come out is uh, the resiliency that comes from positivity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing uh, that gets overlooked mm-hmm. uh, and the depth that can be present in a seven, uh, which is what I think Matt and I would both say uh, mm-hmm. we're concerned about is that people wouldn't see us to be authentic or to be to have depth uh, because they're seen as flighty and fun, and mm-hmm. which is great. But mm-hmm. there's more to us than just that.
0: Yep. Yeah, we absolutely. actually have some questions. On that specifically, we'll get to in a minute. Um, let me let me ask you guys this. As you kind of explored Enneagram and learned about the different styles and types, maybe we'll start with you, Kelly, since you've been a part of the Enneagram process and rollout here at Sandals Church. What kind of what did you learn about yourself or was anything surprising to you? Just when you said, okay, I'm identifying as a seven, what was that like for you? Uh,
1: initially, I it was a feeling of, well, okay, that's a given. <laughs> uh, but I was mildly disappointed mm. because I thought, what's the value? Like, mm. how important is this? Like, oh, I can make people happier. I can make people smile. Like, I, I can't take over countries and I can't, yeah. you know, all these others that have these huge strengths and to say, oh, well, you're lighthearted. Oh, that's great. You know, uh, and so I was a little uh, disappointed initially uh, with what it revealed in me, some of the insecurity uh, mm. I already had. Uh, Came out through that, but it's given me steps toward uh, transformation, which I didn't have before.
2: Yeah. So let me interject there. So you know, I think a lot of us we assume that our number we can't be a leader, and that's one of the things I've been trying to do is pick out leaders in the Bible from each number. And so David is the seven and David is a fantastic leader. And so one of the things that sevens can do when they're healthy is here's how their positivity and joy is they can inspire others to a vision and help drive them along in a positive way. Sevens can make things happen and they actually make great leaders. They're great, great leaders because they're visionary. They see things that um, maybe somebody else can't see. And so, um, so, you know, I have some seven in me and Matt has some three as well. Do you have three? So, here's where the seven is, is uniquely different from the three is the three purpose purposes. Okay. This is going to make me, make me successful. The seven says, this is going to bring joy to the world and make it better. And so let's do this. Let's, let's make this happen. And so, um, that's the wonder of if you have a seven that you work with, or you're married to a seven is they see the end goal and they drive, um, you know, the family, the business, uh, your small group to something better or greater because it's good. And, um, You know, we talked about uh, in the sermon, uh, Psalm 1611, uh, in the presence of the Lord is uh, pleasure forevermore. That part of, you know, for the seven is, and and that's how God is reflected is in the end, man, it's a good time. Mm -hmm. It's a great time. I mean, there's a reason Jesus describes heaven as the great banquet, the great, great party, the great celebration. And he's speaking that into a culture you know, we all get invited, well, probably not sevens, but most of the other numbers get invited to parties they don't want to go to. Um, <laughs> but in the ancient world, you know, you didn't go to a party. You didn't You didn't get celebrated. That was something uniquely reserved for the rich and the famous. And so Jesus is saying, everybody's invited to this party, and I'm going to throw it for you, and you're all going to eat. You're all going to feast. And remember, um, you know, he's, he's speaking that to the vast majority of people who starved on a regular basis. That is not even... A concept in our modern world. Uh, you know, obesity is the challenge of the world now, whereas starvation was the challenge for most of human history. So he's saying you're going to be taken care of, your needs are going to be met. It's going to be amazing. And so that's what the seven needs to remind themselves is in the presence of God is joy forevermore. Otherwise they can be like Pinocchio and they run from the father, become an ass mm-hmm. and are sold into slavery because of their passions. And right, that's that's the ancient truth of that old, old story. and And so they run from that. And right you run from your conscious the little cricket uh jiminy cricket that's your that's the implanted of what's right and wrong in Mm -hmm. your your mind and nope i'm gonna run from that and then ultimately swallowed and uh you know and that's a symbol of death i mean it's it's an an incredible story of a symbol of death and he comes back to life like jonah and then runs to the father and it's and then becomes real after he's experienced sorrow so that's enough on that i'm gonna write a book on that just i haven't figured out what i want to call it but just like you know, truths from old fairy tales that that we need today, or something mm-hmm. like that. But because people don't read them anymore,
0: so mm-hmm. can you guys talk about just how you've uh, experienced the unhealthy side of being a seven? Maybe challenging in relationships, at work, or anything like that. What's that look like for you guys?
3: Um, yeah, sure. I mean, that is definitely a part of it. I um, and I think it's because the initial res- my initial response is to back away from. Mm-hmm real conversation and maybe a painful converse, conversation. Mm. Um, I think through maturity and through growing up, I've learned to deal with that. Like most people probably have had to do with their number type or with their go-to, um, number that they identify with most. Um, a lot of that has been through relationship. So again, you know, here's another shout out for community groups, but being in relationship with people, especially a lot of people in the group who, um, do it very naturally, you know, and learning from them and seeing the value of that, um, was meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to a seven, if you're not in community and dealing with people that identify with the other numbers more easily than you do, um, that would be really valuable because, um, yeah, I think I saw the question on one of the Instagram, but it was like, how do I get a person to identify with their pain? And a seven initially isn't even going to know what that means Mm. yeah like i don't like uh, my initial thing is like i don't even know what you're talking about because i would never do that and then i think about it and i well i i can do that i can fight through that but it is it's not my initial reaction i have to try you know i have to kind of go there Mm. um all right yeah. yeah i think
1: for the uh brokenness uh pastor matt even uh i was going through something uh recently or in the last year and you literally texted me and said, stay in the pain. And I thought, oh, it's a terrible text. Like, But uh, I, we are gifted to be able to get to a silver lining. And how I think of it is, you know, there's a gray cloud. And no matter what the gray cloud, we can find that silver lining. Uh, but if we push through it too fast, we miss the growth that happens. Uh, and so uh, we, instead of dealing with the pain, uh, I just want to get to the happy ending or what's the upside of it. Uh, And I skip all the the growth and the big times that I've grown the most in life have been through challenging Mm -hmm. situations, through my hardest times, uh, through losing my dad uh, when I was 20 and having to Mm. face that. Uh, Mm. I think that's why I'm now able to have more depth of conversation and be in people's pain a little bit more is because I uh, dealt with so much of it uh, through that experience.
2: Yeah, and I think sevens are great at being there for others in their pain. It's It's feeling their own. That's the challenge. So oftentimes they're great ministers to you when you're in your pain, but them resonating with their own. And so that's what makes our modern day society so challenging is avenues to escape pain that were not available to most human beings throughout history are now accessible with a click with a, you know, I mean literally whatever you want, you that's can totally bring it into your house and bring yeah. it into your life. And um, you know, pleasure is, a great numbing tool for pain. So temporarily feeling better. So that can be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be sex. It can be porn. It can be uh, all kinds of things. And so if you're a seven, you've got to learn to, like Matt said, surround yourself with community and stay in the moment. So, um, you know, the challenge for a seven um, is, you know, lifelong deep relationships. And so a seven can have a lot of great, because they're typically great with people, great with relationships, fun to be around. And so they'll, they'll be a mile wide, but an inch deep. And so, so we talked about. Um, I love this verse that we picked in this sermon. Jonathan made David. It's so important. He made David swear again, an oath of loyalty. Hmm. So mm-hmm. Jonathan is loyal, <laughs> but he's like David, right? I need, I need you again to recommit your friendship to me. And uh, David learned a great deal from Jonathan through a lifelong relationship. Ultimately, ended untimely in Jonathan's death, but you know, it's over time. You know, Matt and I have been able to have conversations because we've been in a relationship for 20 years. Difficult conversations, uh, both ways, me to him and him to me. But that doesn't happen if you run from relationship. You have to stick in the relationship. And the same thing happens in marriage. It can happen in a job. A seven can assume, okay, this job isn't fun anymore. I got to go somewhere else. And so they jump from job to job, career to career. And then ultimately in the end, that brings more financial suffering, Mm -hmm. all kinds of pain in the end because they didn't stay in the moment and work through difficult things. And so, you know, if you're a seven and you're young, work is work, it's not called fun. And so Matt and I have talked, you know, at length about that. You know, Matt has to do a lot of unfun things uh, because he provides for his family and he's putting kids through college. He doesn't, you know like doing a lot of what he has to do but he does it because he likes and enjoys providing for his family And so this that's what the seven has to do is you don't want to say you have to trick yourself but you have to find the fun in what you don't enjoy and figure that out and um you know i just had to text an employee this week who actually told me you know work sandals doesn't feel like fun it feels like work and i responded well it is work <laughs> right Surprise. and that's so and that's okay <laughs> Um, and, and so part of what we do is working through our feelings and staying in that. And so if you have seven, you're going to get bored really quickly. And it's, you know, you know, what's my purpose? And you got to be careful, you know, that that uh, screensaver on your computer of an island that you just want to run away and get to can really, really rob you of the joy of where you are. And so seven is my second highest score. And uh, my, my wife and I used to joke about my porn, and you remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, my, Tammy would come home from work and she'd say, how long have you been on spent on porn today. And what she meant was I would look at, and Matt's laughing, uh, for hours I would look at real estate in Hawaii, right? I can't afford it. I don't have a job there. And I'm literally clicking house to house to house. Really? It's
3: it's 10 feet under lava, yeah, all Yeah, Matt
2: says, Hey, weren't you looking at property in Puna? And I'm like, yeah. Um, so, right. So God, so can imagine if I would have moved my whole family there we're, and we're under a hundred feet of lava. So that would have been a great move. But, and here's the thing is, is I was telling you before the show started, there was a time in my life where I swore that one day, inevitably I would live in Hawaii. I don't have those feelings anymore. How I felt in my thirties is not how I feel in my forties. And so, um, I've learned there's, there's more out there to enjoy. And so, so just know that, you know, running from pain can actually cause more pain. And so don't be afraid to sit in the moment, especially if you're a parent and you're seven, have those tough conversations. You know, had David sat his boys down in the Bible and had a conversation, I think life would have turned out very differently, but he ran from the conflict in his home. He ran, he tries to cover up things right? And so, man, it just screws things up. Instead of you know telling Uriah, hey, I slept with your wife. Sorry, bro. My bad. <laughs> he gets Uriah killed, but God knows the truth. Mm-hmm. and And ultimately, what does that keep David from? Being able to build the temple. The one thing. So, the man after God's own heart doesn't get to build the house in which God will dwell with his people. And that's just sad. So, it ultimately keeps him from doing what he always wanted to do. And so, so don't be afraid to run from pain. Nobody likes pain. Anybody that tells you they like pain, there's something weird about that person, yeah. right? There's something weird. So what you have to keep in mind is, is, is the end goal. The, you know, here's the goal. Here's what I'm striving for. Here's what I'm longing for. And, um, and, and if you hang in there, you can do it. And marriages can get better. You can find meaning in your job, whatever you do. Uh, You can find joy in the mundane things. You know, I don't think any mom of kids under five enjoys a lot of what they do. Amen. I was literally at the (laughs) the grocery store and I was getting some meat and this kid's like, look at this, look at this, look at that, look at this, look at... and, And I go, oh my gosh, look at the joy this kid has just looking at different cuts of meat. And the mom starts crying and she's like, She's like, I needed to hear that because I do not like him right now. You know, and she's just because this this kid's exuberance is overwhelming to her and it's unending. And, you know, I think she, she kind of had that look on her face like, someone please kidnap my kid. You know, she's just like, this kid, you know, this kid is just, you know, ADHD all over the place. You face up against the meat counter, which is just gross. Um,
0: That's how I do it at the butcher shop. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So, you know, you just you just, just got to be really, really careful and, and hang in there and, and just know God can change your heart. He can change your situation, but God likes to change the situation you're in. He doesn't like to change you by changing the situation. And that's what most of us pray. God, change my circumstance when God wants to change our heart. and And that's, you know, for the seven, that's just really, really hard is I'm in this circumstance for God to teach me something and for me to learn something. And you can learn anything in any situation. I think that's important. And so I'm so grateful that, you know, I, I have enough morality in me that I didn't run from um, some dumb stuff, and so and then of course God, you know, ha- had me marry a six who is loyal and true, and you know is is really an anchor to a lot of my flightiness. But um, but but
0: pain hurts. But what hurts more than um, entering into pain is running from it. Mm-hmm. So we have a bunch of questions that have come in from people who've identified with a lot of the seven styling through the self-discovery tests. So this first one comes in from a Justin, not me, another one. Since the self-discovery series has launched, I felt that being a high seven has put me in a category as, quote, loud, crazy, and wild. Hmm. Does that identify with you guys? You guys are being so, so like, quiet. and Yeah, and, uh, yeah exactly. You guys yeah, are, you really are. You really are doing <laughs> I believe these attributes are part of who I am, but I'm also so much more than that. What can I do as someone with a high seven to be taken more seriously or to be seen as someone who has more value to offer to Sandals Church, but at the same time to be true to who God has designed me to be? Matt's gonna go for this. All right, Matt, I'll be... Pastor Matt is pointing I've at heard, you. I've heard this whining for a decade. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Get your face right in that microphone. Talk into got, the microphone. I got it. I got it. Okay.
2: Um,
3: it, it, the, the initial reaction is... Um, that that his description of a seven, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't find it so offensive. Um, <laughs> uh, well, one, if you, I think we need to remember that in the Bible, the the number for perfection and completeness is seven. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. And, and yeah. I spiritual, really took that and to heart, and, yeah. and I don't think it's a coincidence. I didn't so, know we were going there. Um, so that being said, I th- there is some baggage that comes along with it, but I think like baggage that comes along with. Um, Every number, and, it, and that's yeah. sort of the, the the vulnerable part of taking part in this whole process is that you are going to be identified slightly, at least by your go-to number. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would encourage people to uh, to embrace that only because it makes them more healthy about you know they, when they fully understand who they are. Mm-hmm. I do get the impression. Correct me if you're wrong, but it seems to be. This is, be, this is going to sound weird, but the most enviable number, like what I hear from a lot of people when they find out I am a seven, primarily, is that, oh, I wanted to be a seven. Mm-hmm. Y- you he- you hear that a lot, or I wish I had more seven, or mm-hmm. I was disappointed in my seven score. Or, um, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and I, yeah, I don't know what to think about that. I I, I feel um, maybe a little bad about mm-hmm. it only because I. I I don't want them to feel bad or
2: uh, about that. So
3: sorry, not sorry.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's why I think the core sin is so important to balance that out because I don't think anybody's excited about gluttony, right? Right. So
3: that doesn't. You don't have to
0: look look (laughs) at me when you say gluttony. Yeah. There are two actual sevens on the other side of the table. You
2: actually got laser focused.
3: Yeah. They're not.
0: Y'all aren't fat, but you got other issues I know about. So.
2: And so he he said he was a little. What did he say?
0: Um. A, l- a little bit disappointed,
2: yeah. I think you said. Well, I, I think what he's what, – what, and here's what I'd say is if you don't have any shame or discomfort about your number, you probably didn't find it. Once you find your number, you're going to be drawn instantly because we're broken to your brokenness. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not like, ooh, I don't want to share this, then you know, it, hasn't, it hasn't hit you. You know, One gal at our, our Woodcrest campus when I was there live a couple weeks ago, she came up to me and she was like – and I wouldn't have guessed that she was a 7 – So I I have not experienced her like I've experienced you guys, you know, um, super outgoing, super loud. I would, I would not, I would not, she just doesn't come across that way. Um, and again, that's what makes, you know, uh, the Enneagram so different from like Myers Briggs is Mm -hmm. it's, you, you can be an introvert or extrovert and be any, I mean, there's, there's lots of variables within each number, but she said, I'm a seven, please be gentle. <laughs> like she's like please be gentle in your in your in your sermon on the sevens because she feels exposed and so when you get to the place where i'm talking about your number and you feel exposed and you're nervous that's when you know ding 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 we hit it yeah. and you're a little like ah um you know because we're all we're all a little worried just like you know i don't want people to know that my core sin is lying that does not feel good you know <laughs> no. deceit you know yay team deceit uh you know i um, no one wants to be Slytherin, you know, unless something's wrong with you. Sorry, yeah. Harry Potter Slytherin, Slytherin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Slytherin, yeah.
0: Uh, so, Kelly, I felt like you were actually talking about this a little bit earlier. The heart of this question is about how do I be taken more seriously? Right.
1: Well, and uh, I have a good example of when this really did harm <coughs> for me. Uh, okay. It's mildly funny, but uh, it's when I was in labor... Gentlemen, Whoa. so uh, I pulled a labor a card. Pulled the labor card. Who here's <laughs> had <that> a baby?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Winning. This story <laughs> so sounds so funny I, already. But I went to the the counter, and you know our thing. I was in a lot of pain, physical pain. Yeah. And so sure. I get there, and my thing was to lighten the mood in between oh, pain. Lord. So I'm trying. You know, I'm like in a lot of pain, and then in between, I'm like, oh, so how are you guys? Yeah, you know, what are you up to? <laughs> uh, trying to make light. So as a result, they didn't believe me that uh, I was in labor. And I mean, I was, two minutes apart, like I was there. And so they put me in a check-in room, right? They didn't even put me in a real deal room. (laughs) They put me in a check-in. They said, ah, you'll probably be going home. And I'm like, guys, I'm serious. I'm in pain. and But I'm making light in between. Mm. And they ended up, they didn't check me for 20 minutes. And by that time... No hope of an epidural. Hello, avoiding pain. Says so, um, I had to fight right through and had a kid within an hour and a half. Wow! Uh, but I realized from that the next time I was like, no jokes, Kelly. You got to go in there um, and really mm. build on this pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a, a personal example, but uh, in life, trying to figure out, you know, in a meeting, uh, Sam in a really boring meeting. If we had those hypothetically, um, if there was <laughs> a boring fun at meeting, work. Yeah. yeah, come on. <laughs> I, and so if I'm in it. My nature is how can we add a little yeah, energy, yeah. a little life, which has a good side because it keeps people awake, uh, which is a win. Uh, but then trying to balance that with people knowing that what I have to say is worth listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've told you before, I was valedictorian in high school. Like, I, I'm not stupid. I've I've got some mm. some. I don't know if you know this, mind. but
2: I was not. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, I it think close. it's probably that I could just take tests well. But you know, was
2: 424 th- off.
3: To
1: feel like people did
2: it. <laughs> <Out of> 425.
1: <laughs> 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 exactly. But to feel like people don't take you seriously because you can lighten a mood, trying to find that balance, I think. <laughs> okay.
2: Hold I, I, on, oh, let me press in real quick, and whoa, then you go. We got a 4 Everybody wants Don't, to don't yeah, you, know, you feel like sevens can also use humor to divert from seriousness? Okay. All right.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes.
0: You go first, ahead. honored guest Matt Thank Albee. You. Thank you, sir. Oh, so go
3: ahead, fun guy. I had a follow up question. So you're in the moment, you're in labor, and you're <laughs> telling jokes. Mm-hmm. What, was that? Was that motivated by helping the other people in the room, or mm. helping you? Totally. Mm-hmm. I so, thought I was
1: making them. I thought I was awkward for them that I was in to, so have so much to, pain. Do, to
3: have to do <laughs> their, so their job.
1: I was trying to like yeah. talk to my the people around me, the people with yeah. me. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I feel I, this is, I think it's important if you identify with seven, you're going to be able to identify with the fact that you feel a sort of social responsibility hmm. to lighten yeah. the situation yeah and at I, I feel like at sometimes I'm like failing if I'm not carrying what I feel is the weight of hmm. or the my side of the levity yeah. of the party the conversation the hmm. the meeting and if it's been a couple minutes since I've told a joke I got to throw something <laughs> out there so uh, or feel that I'll feel like I need to and again, uh this process and we we've been on a long journey of self-discovery through not only the enneagram but other tools that uh, i've done with the browns and my community Mm -hmm. group but um that have shown me how to identify that fight through that maybe not do that again because it's you know it's not always appropriate but um but i think it's 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 a Something that sevens feel. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. One thing I want to say, Kelly, I always use you as an example, right? So we're colleagues. We're talking about being taken seriously. I do a lot of training for like hosting and being in front of people here at staff. And I frequently use you as an example because we're sometimes in boring meetings together. And one of the things I think that you do is, is really great is you always get up. And you stand up, and you um, when you're talking, which basically is a to me, it's a signal to everyone else in the room. I am taking this moment seriously right now. Whereas other people, it'll just come to them, and they'll kind of do throw their part out, do their contributions. But when there are times of meetings that you you're responsible for, you stand up and own that. And I think that's actually really, really great. And it's a signal: Hey, I'm taking this seriously, and and it helps other people grab in and mm-hmm. and and also. You can be fun and silly in that moment, but also just because you're standing and all those other kinds of things is really, really helpful to say, oh, she's still in charge. So I don't know. Anyways, I frequently use you as a good example of somebody who goes above and beyond what you would just have to do in a normal moment to really own a piece of thing that you're responsible for. So Mm -hmm. that's one Just stand up more, maybe, Mm -hmm. I guess is what I'm saying to all the other sevens. Stand up in your life and um, just have conversations Mm -hmm. standing. I don't don't know if that's helpful.
2: How have you guys, because you're both in leadership positions at work, how have you guys, when motivation, joy, and fun is not working to lead, how do you shift into the difficult conversations? Because I know you've had to have them. You've had to have them at work. How how do you do that? Because for some people, it can be a little unsettling when the fun guy, gal, is now saying, hey, get your crap done. Because right, sometimes you you have to. Have, sometimes people aren't motivated by your enthusiasm. Yeah. Right. So h- how how do you do that? Because I that can be hard for a seven.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it comes off uh, super unexpected for the person because uh, mm-hmm. they sit down and they're used to you encouraging them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we love yeah. to motivate and inspire and build them up, and so having to have a conversation that feels like the opposite of that, mm-hmm. uh, I I feel like I have to preface it this is going to be a different kind of meeting uh, because otherwise you take them out at the knees and they don't even see it coming Mm. because most of mine, they don't know it's coming because they don't dwell on it. Uh, We don't dwell on the pain. So I'm not every time I see you thinking about this area we need to talk about. I, I just see you, I can compartmentalize and I'm like, oh, it's good to see you. I can act like things are fine. And then when we get in the moment, that's when I address it. But if we don't prep them in some way, right? It it really throws them off uh, off their game.
3: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it just I think you can see the shock sometimes when you are you've prepped yourself and you're really serious about whatever it is mm-hmm. that you have to say, but that other person knows you as mm-hmm. the light funny person. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it can be shocking. So
0: um, just being aware of that mm-hmm. and how you deal with people. Here's a question I think you guys are just going to love. This comes from Jennifer. How can the seven learn to deal with, process, and sit in pain instead of running away with it?
3: From it. I have a... a one thing that I thought was great, a couple of years ago, that movie came out Inside Out. And it yeah. was really about a seven. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It really it was about a seven. Uh, it, people haven't seen it. It's that cartoon. Mm-hmm. and And the main cartoon emotion was joy. And then she kept trying to put sorrow in her circle. In fact, in one point yeah. in the movie, she actually like paints a circle and keeps her in there. Um, I, I really resonated with that and I thought they did a brilliant job of talking about, at least from the Seven's perspective, the, the, the give and take or the conflict that mm-hmm. the joy mm-hmm. in us feels initially. And then by the end of the movie, she's learning that sorrow has its place mm-hmm. and to be healthy, you, know, you got to let sorrow come in too. And yeah. so- um, I think that answered the question or you know, it's just an analogy that I've yeah. used to, that I thought was helpful for me.
2: So we have a seven who's pointed to a cartoon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I'm I'm on, I'm tracking with it. I love that movie. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense to
1: me. Yeah. Uh, so I think having to remind myself uh, the ultimate joy that comes from working through the hard things, uh, I still have to relate it to, Joy in some way, yeah, yeah, uh, because otherwise it, it's hard to get motivated to push through. But if I can figure out what the long term joy would be like hard stuff in marriage, thinking through what it could look like later on and the joy that could come, mm-hmm. uh, the hope of redemption, because uh, we have a lot of hope in us, uh, and so the hope and the ideal still being an option out there uh, helps me to trudge through, uh, but it's a constant reminder. Uh, I think like I can forget so fast. So I have to say like, oh wait, I was going to stay in this pain. Like I wasn't going to avoid it. I was going to stay in mm-hmm. because of this. But if I lose sight of that long-term joy uh, or I can't see it, uh, I think if you, once you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel or what you're aiming for, um, depression can happen. Um, and depression when you are mm. a strong seven, uh, is so hard and so damaging, um, because it's against our, our whole self is about pulling people out of hard things and trying to see the positive. And if we get to a spot where we can't see the positive, uh, oh, There's as just a, no escape. As it as feels like you're no escape. Yeah.
2: So you guys- right, okay. So we what Matt just said. So the fear of the seven is being mm-hmm. trapped, and so that's so that's the fear Ooh. of pain is that I'm stuck in this and I can't get out. And so right, so that's the enemy lying because we can all get out over time and um you know we're not trapped in that so the seven desires to be free so it's free to experience free to live free yeah. to have fun um so like work is not freeing family responsibilities are not freeing sometimes church cannot feel freeing serving right so all of let's just call it adulthood um you know uh cuz i'm watching my we, we were both in the same boat matt and i were watching our our children uh engage in adulting, uh, and it's not not easy for them. Um, But, you know, we're trying to coach them in that. But sometimes we have to coach ourselves and say, okay, I'm going to stay in this. And I think that's why a lot of people struggle with marriage, especially if you're seven, right? Dating is fun, right? The anticipation of sexual intimacy, although most people nowadays start sleeping together before they get (laughs) married, but the anticipation of... uh, And even, right, the joy of a wedding, like the joy of this big celebration and this big party, and then all of a sudden you know you're you're doing the work of life taking care of the kids getting jobs right the dishes have to be done the house has to be clean like these things are real things and so um they're joy suckers you know if you're not if you're not careful and so you just have to remind yourself um of of what the end goal is and and, and where your heart is so um Anyways.
0: I was going to say you you guys both have mentioned dealing with the loss of your father as being a growing moment of pain for you. How yeah. did you sit with your pain or yeah, own it, accept it, and not run in those moments and grow?
3: I'm yeah, I'm oh, two years. It will be in
2: June, and so it's still very present. Um, well, your dad died suddenly and yeah. it was unexpected. Yeah, it was like shock. Yeah. And so for
3: the first, I actually can say that for the first year and a half, there was no escaping it. Even um, it was, yeah, Ever, I'm getting a little emotional too. That's fine. um, Your dad was awesome. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I see some light in that now, you know, for the last six months, I can feel like I'm sort of out of that Mm -hmm. darkness. Um, uh, But it was hard. And there, yeah. And because there was no escape, it was even more mm-hmm. tough because, um, yeah, it just it's too it was too big to get around. I mean, I could distract myself, um, and that's the tough part about. Um, I will say to sevens, or if you love a seven, um, it, just a- allowing one, allowing them to be distracted at times because they need it to feel like themselves, mm-hmm. um, but just being careful too because it can be damaging what they choose to distract themselves can be can be damaging so Mm -hmm. um there's something to be careful if you are seven or love a seven just keep you know keep an eye on that
1: yeah and i was really young uh i was 20 so that was 20 years ago uh
2: had you done any traveling before your dad died
1: no it's what inspired okay that's what i was curious uh so uh, but just like you, the reason it was so impacting is that it was one of the few things I couldn't figure out how to escape the pain. Mm. It was one of the few moments of pain that I was like, N- nothing can escape this. Um, and it's in college, which is supposed to be like this yeah. great time mm. of your life. And for for me, I look back and I don't recall laughing for like a year, mm. uh, which is close to death for a seven. Um, and yeah. so that, that was a really low point. Um, it was also the time when um, I understood the Lord the best, um, and that's why I'm so thankful for that. Is that I had to depend on mm-hmm. Him mm-hmm. through that time, and I had other people coming and saying, "How did you get through that?" Mm-hmm. And it gave me, and that pain gave me an opportunity, and has changed the course of my life. It's why I went into overseas missions, mm-hmm. not just to escape. Uh, that was uh, to really use my life for good, and another way of getting the most out mm-hmm. of life. But
2: yeah. Yeah. So part of you know the liberal criticism of um, the the the, um, the Christian God is that what God uh, that is love would require His Son to die. So that's one of the big criticisms when you get into kind of a philosophical criticism of the God that we believe is good. And and I think that the reason is that death is a unique pain. It's a unique pain that. Um, for God to relate to us, which is the whole purpose of Jesus coming. We were made for relationship. We are broken from relationship by sin. And for him to restore that part of what God did is he entered into death. The permanence of death, the realness of death. Uh, it was very, very real. It broke literally the body of Jesus and the heart of God. Right. And um, you know, uh, and you say, well, he was only gone for three days. Well, time only exists in our in our consciousness. It does not exist in the consciousness of God. It's something that he created, right? He exists outside of time. He created time so that we could exist. And so, um, you know, God experienced an eternity of separation in those moments Mm -hmm. because of where he is, as opposed to where we are. And so, um, so just know that we worship a God who enters into our pain, knows our pain, loves us in our pain. And, you know, one of my favorite stories, um, is when Lazarus dies, you know, Jesus cries at the funeral Mm -hmm. and he knows he's going to raise him from the dead. And so why on earth does Jesus enter into the emotion of pain and suffering when he knows it's going to be fixed momentarily? And the answer is, is because he's perfect. And that's what a perfect God does. A perfect God doesn't just enter into our joy, but he enters into our very real pain and our Mm -hmm. very real brokenness. And and that's why, again, you know, for all of you out there who don't, don't share Christ, you have no idea what your Hindu friends are missing out on. You have no idea what your Muslim friends are missing out on. You have no idea what, uh, you know, your atheist friends are missing out on because you take it for granted every single day. Mm-hmm. You take it for granted every single day that God loves you, God <coughs> hears you, God knows you, and he enters into your pain. And um, that's just tragic. That, that's the great sin of the modern church is we just take it for granted and we assume that everybody else knows that and— um they, they just don't. So.
0: so let's talk about the core sin of gluttony for the seven, right? All four of us at this table score sevens in the 90s or above, but I am the only fat one. So, so what does, <laughs> what does gluttony go. look like in, your, in y'all's life?
1: Oh, man. Mine was uh, overindulgence of life experience. Uh, like I had a time where my motto uh, was anything for a good story. So I'll do anything. It, it was initially try everything once, and <laughs> so then um, stories, yeah. I had to get I had to get right with God uh, that that's not a good motto. I, I try everything once, not good. <laughs> yeah, no, so, no, um, no. But, but no. anything- Hey, can you and I, I
2: have an start. HR meeting after this? Okay. <laughs> oh, rubbish. Yeah. Oh, no. So yeah, mine, is, mm. mine
1: had a lot to do with, um, it feeds into the escapism of um, social involvement, engagement, staying busy- um, I can never have too much going on. You know, I look back even at my, uh, calendars that I kept when I was in junior high and high school and I wrote down like, oh, I'm going uh, over to this person's house. And then, but it was never just one, like I was going over to this person's house and then I'm going to go to dessert here. And mm-hmm. you know, like it was how much can I pack in a day? Uh, I don't know what I was escaping from, but I was just trying to suck all of life. And so, um, uh, I also love food, but, um, Mine doesn't come out the same way. Yeah, the, par-
2: the the party never stops, like for the unhealthy seven. It never, ever stops, which means there's going to be a crash. So it never, ever stops. So especially if you have a teenager that's a seven, good luck with that. Because they don't have, right, the, the last part of your brain that develops is, you know, decision-making at the front and impulse control. And so the seven is just pedal to the metal. You know, they have no what if, what could go wrong. Their fear is missing out. Boom, I'm going for it. I'm all in. And, and uh, that's really, really hard.
0: Um, so, so Kelly, your your gluttony is kind kind of comes in the form of like relationship, relational activity, something like that.
1: Uh, experiences, uh, adventure, pushing into excess.
0: Okay. Well, and think about how losing your dad at such a young
2: age totally reinforced with you life is quick, yeah. right? Oh, so, wow. so, 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 you, so, you take Kelly, who's a seven. So you think about her adaptive um, nature, which right is not. It's it's the way that we adapt to our fallen world. So her dad dies at 20, which is like, okay, now I got to drink monsters, you know, uh, or uh, rock stars or what, right? Because I got to, that's the, man, life is precious. Your dad died at what? He was what, 40? 55. 55. So, so th- that's just a reminder that, okay, I only have so much time to experience all of these things. And, um, you know, and so experience is different from meaning. And so the seven has to pursue meaning. And so, let meaning be—you know—the joy of your life rather than the experience. And so, um, so like for the seven, um, you know, uh, sex is fun, but sex outside the context of marriage does not produce meaning. So uh, intimacy produces meaning, and 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 intimacy requires commitment, connection, and time, and safety, and and all of those things. And so you have you have to do that. Um, you know, um, it, it, it's, it's okay to enjoy a drink or enjoy something, but intoxication, right, can cause you to do things that temporarily um, maybe remove pain, but then can throw yourself in a situation, um, you know, where you're really, really broken. I was, um, oh, I gotta be careful how I share this. I can't share that story because they go to our church, but, you know, somebody was just drinking and that led to an impulse. And so sevens often can be impulsive and they ended up doing something with a friend and then they're both like, "What the heck just happened?" And then they had to share that with their spouses, and it was—it's just—it's ba- bad, it's bad, 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 mm-hmm. bad, and mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and, and and forever. There's just not—it's it, gonna—it's gonna affect that their friendships in a mm-hmm. negative way <clears throat> because they overindulged in alcohol and they they were inebriated and they did something that I don't think they would have done
0: had they been in their right mind. Mm. So, right. How does gluttony play out for you, Matt Alby? It's obviously not about food.
3: So, <laughs> um. It's just about pursuing pleasure. Mm-hmm. So whatever that is, um, it, is it, can, Jeep, be it can be food. It can be food. Jeep life is is near and dear to me now. Um, uh, video games, or I mean, just anything that mm-hmm. that becomes an unhealthy pursuit, um, other than you doing something constructive or spending time with your family, or working on your relationship with God or the people close to you. Um, mm-hmm. It just, whatever is pleasing
2: um, in, in excess,
0: yeah. Okay, this is perfect for Michelle's question. Well, She's, hold on, let's
2: go back. You didn't ask me. So how does, oh, my, yeah. how does my gluttony work? And so here's why I'm not fat, because my gluttony and my three converge in an unhealthy manner. So I'm way too image conscious to eat things. So I become gluttonous with exercise. That's where I indulge and it becomes unhealthy. Mm. So, right, so... Um, you know, that addictive personality that more is better. So if running a 5k is great, why not a 10k? Why not a marathon? Why not an Ironman? It's more, 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 more. And it just literally gets out of control. And it's a real battle. And I'll have to tell my wife, I feel my mind getting out of control. Like, I feel like it's, it spirals, you know, I'm only going to do one Ironman, then I'm all done. then it's, I'm going to win an Ironman, then I'm going to win my age group. And then I'm going to write and it just starts going, going, going and going that way. And so that's where the the, uh, the image consciousness of the three and the gluttonous of the seven come together is I'm not going to, um, you know, do something. And so it's why I struggle with pornography as opposed to having sex with you know, um, women when I was growing up because having actual sex affected my image. But nobody knew what I was doing with porn. Yeah. That was that was private for me. So I I could have an escape to porn, but it didn't tarnish my image because I'm the only one that knew. Yeah. So, right, so that, that's why you guys need to know your numbers. And again, sandals test is the best because um, it, it, those things work so well together rather than all the dumb arrows that point. That, that might be you, but man, it's not me. And um, you need to learn yourself. So, so I become indulgent in exercise. And, and just so you know, exercise can produce uh, chemical reactions in your body that are similar to other things. They, you know, they're called endorphins. There is a high for some people, and, um, and there it's, it's weird at, when you become at an elite level of fitness, there's a feeling that you get that you only get at that level. And then when you, when you slip, it's gone. And so, um, it's a feeling of invincibility. It's a feeling of, I can do all things who needs Christ, you know, Philippians four thirteen out the window. So it's really, really unhealthy. And so, um, and a lot of people in our church, you know, overindulge in exercise. And it's, it's just, you know, right. So whatever the escape is and exercise can be an escape. It, it mm. can be, it's, it's good in moderation. It's unhealthy in excess. And so that's the thing is as a seven, you can become excessive at anything, absolutely anything. I mean, your thing could be Bible conferences or Christian conferences and you're going to go to every one, and you're going to be, I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's unending <laughs> what's addictive. And so we fool ourselves because exercise is good or, Uh, church is good or church conferences are good or, you know, I mean, and you just, you just, you know, lose it. I mean, you're not going to go to Coachella. You're going to follow the band all over the world. Right. And people literally do that. I mean, it's like, I'm going to be done for a year and I'm going to check out on life. uh, I was with my parents yesterday and our server, I was just talking with him. I I don't know why. I mean, I talk to everyone, Um, but he quit his job, quit everything he had in New York city and rode his bicycle to California. I was like, Whoa, well, okay, probably a seven, Yeah, <laughs> probably a seven, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm just going to do it. What could go wrong?
0: Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, so. Okay, so Michelle asks, um, she says, I enjoy any new experience that comes my way. Sounds familiar. I love to fill my calendar up with all the things I love or feel I need to be doing, but I always end up struggling with committing to that one-on-one quiet time with God. What are some recommendations you have, you would give to a seven that might struggle with committing to daily time with God and growing in my relationship with Him?
2: Yeah, if I could show you, uh, I, I'm going to say if I could show you my journals. I really don't have journals. I have sporadic entries uh, in in books that people call journals uh, for my whole life. And, <laughs> On the outside, it says journal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in almost everyone, you know, up until about 10 years ago, it was daily quiet time, and it's just because I was undisciplined, and so... Um, I think the older you get, the, here's the lie that kids believe. One day when I'm old, I'll do what I want. That's a lie. <laughs> yeah. you, you never get to do what you want. And, and if you do, that destroys your life. So, um, you know, people who get to do whatever they want are pretty tweaked. So, um, you know, w- w- I just realized that I was never going to be who I needed to be. So what's the end? What's the joy? The joy is becoming like Christ, being who God's called me to be. And I've experienced over and over again doing life my way. And I just realized life is better when I'm in God's word and in his hands. So that, that for me was the motivation. My day's better. My life's better. My marriage is better. Everything's better when I'm in God's word. And so that's how my seven, right. worked that out. My three is in order to be successful, I got to know the Bible. So that's the unhealthy version, but uh, you know, don't be afraid to understand what motivates you, right? That's the Enneagram, what motivates you and use those things as leverage to do great things in your life. And, um, so, so that's what I did, but uh, I, I get it, man. It because the seven is distracted by all the fun that I could have, and you know, cracking open a book is doesn't always fall in that category. But it, that's that's how it worked for me. How about you guys?
3: I couldn't agree more. The way you said it is just that, yeah. Reading the Bible is not, I don't I wouldn't describe that as fun, mm-hmm. and so it goes against what my first impulse would be, um, and I'm not great at it. Uh, I go through periods of being better at it than others. And, but when I am in it and routinely in it and um, yeah, just doing it on a regular basis, my, everything is better. I mean, just like what you said, I would just yeah,
2: reiterate that perfectly the way you described yeah. it. So Matt and I are a lot alike. So one of the things that I do um, is I write the date every single time I read the Bible. So um, right now I'm in Romans uh, 12. So I'll read 12 through 15 um, today And I'll write today's date in there, and so in your Bible or in your journal. In the Bible, yeah, I'm not a good journaler. Okay. So, um, so I write in the Bible. So next time I crack the Bible open, if it's been five days, if it's been four days, I know because it says it right there. That's a good. And I see that, and uh, that's just helped be a personal discipline for me because I can't escape that because I can say, well, I feel like I read the Bible all the time, but I write in it. Exactly when I read it, and I, I don't know I just started doing that, and I don't. Can we know. ding that for the sevens because that's, sure, a, that's deal, a really right. great practical, yeah, really great it's way practical than my tool. T- well, because my suggest. three right, I can deceive myself yeah. that I've been in the word, and totally. so when I look at it, I go, oh, it's been three days, it's been four days, um, you know. Uh, and some of you are like, well, you'll get there, you know. For some of you, it's been three months, it's been it's been a year, and you crack that Bible open, you go, wow, um, you know, and just a healthy reminder. Well, wow, I haven't read you know, um, I'm going to uh, preach on first, uh, a passage out of First Kings and Second Kings next week. And I don't know when the last time I read that, but as soon as I open my Bible, I can tell you, oh, I was in this in October of 2017. Mm. And so I read through the Bible about every year and a half. I, I just, I'm not about like like the speed of it. I need to get the content. and And, and I just try to just get what God... Because uh, my three, I used to be five chapters a day, and that was just dumb.
0: Well, that feels like another healthy yeah. approach to me as well for a seven. And that you're just saying, I'm just going to plow through this in the order that it presents itself, mm-hmm. versus what feels good today. Mm-hmm. Um, just the consistency of that, Kelly. You're not in your head.
1: Yeah, I. For me, this has been one of the best steps. Of you know, we're supposed to pursue sober-mindedness, uh, which I hate that concept. But um, in pursuing that, one way I do that is knowing that when I spend time in the Word and I read, I I feel more grounded during the day, which is what we're supposed to be pursuing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what what's best for me is to be on a plan. Um, mm-hmm. Right now I'm using uh, the Wayfinding Bible where oh, there's yeah. a few different plans that kind of take you through uh, the Bible. And there's, I know what I'm gonna read when I get up. I don't have to think or wander because I can get distracted. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, this is fun. Instead, I'm going through a set Uh, And what's good about that, especially if you're um, just needing to get back in to reading the Bible, is they have one option, and it deals a lot with stories, Mm -hmm. and it helps you take something from those stories. Uh, But sevens, we love stories. We love a good story, and the Bible is chock full of them. And so um, I've actually found it to be a really fun part of my day, um, unexpected, that I look forward to because I get so much out of that time.
2: Yeah, so a couple things. you know, I I recently have taken up, uh, puzzles. Um, so Alzheimer's and dementia runs in my family. So, um, it's a, it's a serious issue and probably something at some point, you know, I'll face, um, just because genetically it's just a a challenge for us. And so at first puzzles were very frustrating to me because I'm a seven, there's not immediate gratification. It's not, I never would have called it fun. Um, but here's the thing I've learned is, uh, you know, Tammy picked, like we had a couple easy ones and then she picked a really, really hard one. And it's really, really frustrating. And I can only do it for about a half hour time, you know, finding one piece. But here's the thing I noticed is at staring at the puzzle and at first everything looks the same. And as you've stared at it literally for days, weeks, and now months, all of a sudden I see nuances that I never saw before. And I go, oh, that's where that piece goes. And that's the way the Bible is. At at first it all feels the same. It doesn't make any sense. But after you look at it for a while and you give yourself time, you're going to see nuances. And so people always ask me this question. How on earth did you get that out of that story and it's because I've been staring at it for a long time and I see things and I start so so I, I start putting the pieces together and I think God is a well I don't think God is a genius God is a genius and so what he knows is he's he's written his word in such a way that it is it's easy for the beginner to go in the shallow end and it's deeper deep enough for the the greatest mind in, in in all of creation to study forever it's both and and um, you're going to get out of the Bible that you know whatever amount of time that you put into it. That's just the reality. And seeing how pieces connect and go together, and um, you know, I, I just would encourage you: just look at it and and ask questions. Get a study Bible. I actually bought that Bible for Tammy. I think two Christmases ago. I actually love it. Get the NLT. Anybody that tells you the NLTs, you know, the the last thing you want to do is translate the English. I just I just don't understand. Uh, and dumb Christians say things. Well. You know, the King James is the only authorized translation. Yeah, authorized by the King of England. We're in America. So read, read the <laughs> yeah. NLT, read the TNIV, read the newer translations that take um, uh, English as you understand it and put it into context. And that's just really, really important. You know, if you want to go study the Hebrew and the Greek, fine, go study that. But here, I got bad news for you. The Hebrew that we study, that's probably not even the Hebrew that Jesus spoke. It's Masoretic Hebrew, uh, 11 to 12, 13th century Hebrew. It's just very, very different language changes just like we don't speak the language that Shakespeare spoke right I mean even the even the Jews language changes over time Moses his Hebrew probably looked a lot like Egyptian hieroglyphics that's the Hebrew that yeah. he spoke so like just just to burst your bubble that, that that's just the reality it's okay and God knows man uh, people died they died so you can read the Bible in your language and you know uh, William Tyndale. You know Wycliffe. These guys—they gave their lives. They—they they died horrible deaths, so you could read the Bible. And um, um, you know, right now as we speak, it's you can't get a Bible in North Korea. Mo- many parts of China, yeah. you can't get them today. And to- in Iran, you'll be imprisoned and executed for distributing Bibles and um, read it. So,
0: well, consider my bubble burst. Uh, also, m- much love to all of our overseas. Show friends. We do love you. Yes. Um, okay, so two sure. two last questions. Um, this one comes from Crystal. Throughout my life, I've always been that fun and crazy girl, but now I feel super worn out because people always look to me for a happy time. Ooh, Albie. I've also hurt my own <laughs> self living as a seven because I'm so into having the best time that I became reckless in my younger years. How do you suggest balance?
3: You got to retrain the people in your life to... See another side of you. You've mm-hmm. let your personality run loose too much, and it's fun. Mm-hmm. I, I, another analogy, apparently I appear or thinking an analogies a lot, but I think of like my personality as I used to have a German short hair pointer dog mm-hmm. that okay. wanted to run. What's your five score? Nothing. Really? Yeah. That was very five. 10. Yeah. I don't know. Something. Anyway. <laughs> what um, kind of dog was it again? German short hair pointer. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hunted a lot. And yeah. so this dog did that thing yeah, and I trained a bullet. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think of my, uh, now that I've matured more and I've let the people in my life see the more um, sober part of my personality, they will accept it more readily. But back to the dog analogy, I can can put my personality on a leash and tell it to sit and it doesn't feel so burdensome because I've developed that. I've trained it to Hmm. do that when it needs to. But when nothing feels better to a seven than to reach down and, Take the leash off and run, yeah. Like and be with people that you know are safe, that you know will, you know, allow you to say dumb things and great things and whatever, and Mm -hmm. and and just run. And but when you get older and you have teenage kids and you have Mm -hmm. a job and a career and whatever, you have to you know train your mind to sit and be okay with that.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's for me, it's a combination both of what other people are expecting. But really, I think underneath that question is she likely has that expectation of herself. Yeah. Um, we have it of ourselves. We have probably every bit as high as someone else does uh, that, that pressure of we need to be the fun person or we need to be out there. And mm, so right. uh, keeping that uh, in check and uh, the dissatisfaction that we could find by not being able to be that person mm-hmm. all the time or, not, or being at a different stage of life Uh, I think dissatisfaction is one of the things that we haven't really mentioned, but um, that's a broken side of the seven is discontent, dissatisfaction. Uh, And for me, you know, I I lived fun times like exploring and traveling to countries. And uh, sometimes, you know, marriage can be hard. Raising kids uh, that are six and three feels hard. You know, all these things can feel hard and it's easy to be dissatisfied unsatisfied. I don't know which one it is. We'll take it. Um, yep. <laughs> thanks. Uh, but what I have to remember is when I was living in South Africa, bungee jumping and skydiving and going on safaris, do you know what I longed for? Hmm. I Working longed- at Sandals Church. Yes. yes. I longed for um, having a husband, hmm. for being married, uh, for having kids, uh, for having a house uh, with a garden that I could be at long enough that I could see something grow. Mm. Uh, so mm-hmm. when I feel dissatisfied um, and this is going off of her question, but when no, I, girl. when I feel dissatisfied uh, I need to look back and think, you know what? I longed for this and this is a different kind of adventure in this season, uh, but it's still an adventure. Um, and so having to keep perspective that the ga- grass isn't always greener, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, as fun as it sounds to be over there, I've been over there doing all those things, and I i wanted this. I wanted yeah. stability, uh, yeah. which is—
2: So her question was, it sounds like she's experienced some negative stuff from—what mm-hmm. was it? What was it?
0: Uh, expectations. Feeling, feeling yeah. worn out because people always look to me, so others' expectations, but then also hurt my own self living as a seven from being reckless, alcohol, etc.,
2: yeah. So, right. I mean, I mean, there, there, that's the problem is, man, there, there are very, very real consequences from being impulsive. Um, you know, um, I, I just read a, a statistic that in California, uh, venereal diseases are up 300,000 yeah, cases this year. Crazy. And that's because we're impulsive and we're lying. We're lying to our young people. Do whatever you want. It's your body. There's no God. It's, it's a total and absolute lie. Yeah. Tammy and I were watching the news the other night yeah. and the reporter's talking about a shooting at somewhere in L.A. <laughs> And literally, he's behind him is a billboard, and it says, "Syphilis is serious." <laughs> I'm like, that. So, so it's just so. Just know that, man. You can engage in behavior where there are lifelong consequences, and you can't fix it. Yeah. Now, having said that, your life is not over. There's still purpose. There's still still a reality. You know, if you go out and get HIV, um, okay, that's that's something that's going to limit. Um, sexual freedom for the rest of your life, and it's something that you need to be honest with about any future par- partners, um, and, and that may be a chapter in your life that's closed. So, so, but that doesn't mean that your life is over. But we can make mistakes that forever change our life. And I think that's the thing. Is and you know, um, both Matt and I are very, very uh, active people. You're active. You're not as old as we are, but you know, we're we're transitioning from participants to uh, um, what do you call Spectators. it? Spectators. Yeah. And 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 that's part of just embracing life as it is, there, there's going to come a season, especially for people with high seven, where you can no longer do what you once did. And those, the, and it and it rapidly starts closing. And so you just have to embrace that. And so um, just know that life is going to change, but there is joy at every level. I am physically not the same person I was in my 20s. It's just- it's just not true. I, I mean, you know, people say age is only a number. They're all liars. It, it, age is a real thing. Yeah, it especially really, in your forties, it really it affects real. you, and, and 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 you know, you start sensing that feeling that. And so, if you've done things in your past that were reckless, that were whatever, man, grieve that and then confess that and say, Lord, help me in the future to not. Because here is the lie: it can't get any worse. It can always get worse. Um, so just shut that off and serve the Lord for the rest of your life in a new way and just remind yourself of what went wrong and why you don't want to do that. That's the talk I give myself. Okay, here's what I did. Here's when I act out. Here's when I was impulsive. Here's when I walked away from God and here's what happened. Yes, okay, that's why I follow Jesus. That's why I trust God. That's why I follow him because my impulse is not always to follow Christ. Hmm. So, so uh, if you're a seven, read Galatians 5. Galatians 5 talks about the spirit and the flesh always being at war. And he's talking to believers. So when you're a seven, you're not a Christian, there's not a war. <laughs> you're just on the other side. Yeah, so when you become a Christian, now there's a war. And there's this tension between what your flesh wants to do and what the Spirit wants you to do. And and you're never going to be completely free from that conflict. The good news is God loves you anyways, and and Christ paid the penalty for your sins on the cross. So just accept that, that tension and try to move forward uh,
0: with what God's called you to be. So... Okay, really quick before we close, Kelly, the best party you've ever been to. Whoa! Oh,
1: man. Start with
0: no. appropriate uh,
3: yeah. parties. He's, there's he, sevens. Good lord! He said he was just going to throw stuff at us. And Here we he, go. He really did. Um, one where there's dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like. I, I can't think. I like been getting to several, that tall, tall so. body out on the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and doing, getting my, uh, uh, yeah. My
1: on. Uh, I was down in Brazil for <laughs> Carnival. Okay, oh, so hey, there you go. Oh. There Winning. Was, Winning. Uh, but the, man, there's a lot of skin down there. You yeah. won. Gracious. <laughs>
0: so That's awesome. That yeah. was awesome. Well, this is a pretty good show. You guys, thank you for uh, pushing pretty into pretty good. Pretty Pursing good, in. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's pretty C plus. C plus show. Well, there was not a ton of dancing. Um, <laughs> uh, that's for sure. Oh, and... Yeah. But, but I, I still think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for the the highs and lows, being real, all that good stuff. Thanks for having us. Yeah, love you both. Thanks. Yeah, love you go too. Out there, you. Go out there, sevens, and live your best life. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or put it on a leash.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. I know. I, I, I was, was like, he's got a good you story. Need a you, you need to ask producer, what Kelly. Our, our, producer Kelly. what no. our best stories about yeah. being a seven that's That's really what good. I was hoping for. I don't think he agrees that this is best but it wasn't, story. It's pretty it was story, a party.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's pretty producer good story. Producer Kelly, can we keep going? <laughs> Okay, here we go. All right. Let's, <laughs> oh, where, oh, no. He knew perfect, better. Perfect. You just let it roll. <laughs> Matt, Pastor Matt, do you need to set this off?
2: No, go ahead. Just ask him.
0: Okay, what? Do, Matt Alby, is your best. Oh, you're your asking best, me. Pastor Matt wants you to tell. Actually, T. Breezy is requesting a story about <laughs> a plane and an airplane and a bicycle or something.
3: This is a Browns favorite story. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay, here we go.
3: A friend of mine owned a plane, and we were maybe a couple years out of college. His grandfather, I should say, owned a plane, and he had become... He Was in the process of becoming a pilot, so he'd flown yeah. the plane. Many Young times. Sevens, do not do this, Matt's a moron. This <laughs>
0: sounds great,
2: this is like
3: terrifying. Go ahead, so keep we, going. so we uh, we were out shooting pool and hanging out and doing whatever, and we're like, hey, let's go over and uh, take the plane up. And um, so we think that's a great idea. And he'd, he wasn't qualified in this plane, he'd flown it a couple times, but yeah, so we get over Did to the airport. Did you
2: mention it's also night? It's nights. So yeah, it's well, like just, just, just about, so you know, says, certification process cool. for day flying and night flying is a completely different process. <laughs> he sounded again.
3: confident. And so we, <laughs> it was like one in the morning. We go over to
2: the airport and we you break the, into the airport. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> tell the story. Jeez. They break so into the airport. We break,
3: well, hold on. So not, not where his plane was. We didn't have to break oh. into that part. So oh, it was we, another
2: airport that you broke into. Right. Okay, well, okay, I'm okay. getting there.
3: So we get in the plane. There's not gas in the plane. And his grandfather is going to be flying the plane the next day. He knows this. And so we're, it's out at Redlands. And so the only all-night pump is in Riverside. So I actually say, well, there's enough gas to get up in the air, and then you can just coast to Riverside. I mean, it's like <laughs> right there. <laughs> Somehow that logic flies. We get up in the air, and we fly to Riverside, only to find out that the pump was not open that night. So now we got a plane with no gas. That you've stolen. That we've s- borrowed stolen without permission. <laughs> and now it's in Riverside and um, he's freaking out. and so we <laughs> call one of our friends and he brings down she actually brings down uh, we start siphoning gas out of planes that
2: are around the airport. Which and is the, sucking gas in a hose with your mouth. It, it is. Yeah,
3: and and the gas tank is on the wing, so we have to find a ladder. We have to, and and the whole time the Riverside PD helicopter is coming in to land and take off. So every time they'd come, we'd like hide under wings, and <laughs> we were careful not to take too much gas. Uh, to all you pilots out there, we took you know a gallon or two out of a bunch of different planes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that just means you had to suck to jumpstart the siphon on all those different planes. So we no, get it to gas, amazing. we fill it up, we
3: get in the air. Now there's too much gas. So we, he goes, well, my, di- my grandfather's going to know. And so we have to like, fly around for a couple hours to burn the amount of fuel so that we could land and walk away. Yeah, all night affair. How
0: fun was it? it? was fun, yeah. That could a, have a gone story. horribly could wrong. could
3: have gone so stupid.
0: All right, Kelly, your turn. So
1: uh, we I was down in Mozambique and I was walking along the <laughs> beach. Which is in beach. Africa. Yep. <laughs> yes, southern Africa. Uh, walking along the beach and there's a group of people that are uh, walking with this boat and they signal that they have extra space. And so I just trot over, grab a, <laughs> grab a handle and start walking down. Um, and so we hop in the water and I get in and I'm like, oh, so what are we doing? And I look <laughs> around, not a single one of them speaks English. And it is all men, all <laughs> businessmen from some other country. <laughs> Thankfully, my poor sweet friend, who probably has a lot of six in her, uh, had jumped in with me because she's like, I-, I don't know if you're supposed to go in. She's, so she's being loyal. I'm yeah. out there yeah. in the middle, uh, and then they give all these signals to jump in. They give a language, I don't know what it was, uh, to jump in. And so I was like, oh, sweet. I get all my uh, like little snorkely gear on, and I jump in. And it, what they were signaling was there's a whale shark Right <laughs> next to the boat. So I hop in and a whale shark is like the size of Texas. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm in there and I'm like, you know, backpedaling like crazy, trying to get out. And they're dying laughing because no one could communicate with me. Uh, but it was the cheapest boat ride available yeah. because I wanted to go out yep. on a boat. And uh, it, I'm sure I helped liven that sweet woman's life up <laughs> and we blessed their business trip. Yeah. I'm,
0: I like I'm the, not going like, to tell any man. of my unhealthy stories. I like stories, that Kelly so. just gets in a boat <laughs> because men ask her to and then jumps in the water because she thinks they're telling you. Yeah, uh, what
3: could go wrong? Wow. I'll go ahead and tell your story. No. Yeah. no, no.
0: <laughs> your said he sounded trustworthy. That's for, yeah. that's <laughs> there we go. That's what we needed. See you next week, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Love you.